Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And at one don't bet. There are certain factors that can lead to people developing a gambling disorder, stressful life events like death or divorce, pre-existing health issues such as depression, and a family history of addiction. Fortunately, someone with a gambling disorder can get help. Evaluations are free and confidential. In the Chicagoland area, call the Way Back In, toll-free, 1-833-DON'T-BET, 1-833-DON'T-BET, or visit 1-833-DON'T-BET.ORG. We call them small businesses, but maybe we need a better name because these businesses are powering America right now, getting people the things they need, and in return, getting the business they need to keep going. And that's no small thing eBay, where America's small businesses live. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. When you turn to Rocket Mortgage, we can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so now is a great time to call 8338-ROCKET. And if you need some extra money, a cash-out refinance could give you that financial boost you're looking for. Call today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, this is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Or Radio.com Sports Station. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. The Score! The owners and players are fighting over three months' worth of, of money, of revenues, salaries. This could be a two-year crisis in this country, and 25% of the people in the country are out of work. That may increase this winter. Who knows? And I find the average fan says they're so worried about you know whatever it is that they're going to lose in terms of salary for three months and revenues for three months that they're overlooking the grief of the rest of the country. That was Peter Gammons on the Mully and Haas show. I believe it was Mully and Zach Saban. That was Friday. Talking about, well, what we're talking about. Um, acting as if the virus isn't going to determine something, but negotiations are, such as negotiations are right now. Um, baseball, has, um, baseball has exposed itself to be what it always is. Follow the money. It's a fight over money and power. And the players have generally won, and it is 
socked the owners. It has vexed the owners. It has just made the owners go crazy. They can't figure out why they're not in charge. So at the moment, according to John Heyman, he tweeted out six minutes ago, early word, eight-man union executive subcommittee may be near unanimous for rejecting MLB's 60-game framework slash proposal and instead letting commission set schedule. Mm. So. When uh, and where? Yeah, well, they're, you know, that's that's the, the whole when and where thing. It's you go ahead and do that, and baseball wants, major league players want the games they want. And one of the things that's going on here, you got to understand, we're trying to reach James Fox of uh, Future Sox. We'll discuss this with him, but Pedro Gomez made a really good point. Pedro Gomez of ESPN earlier. But since the last time there was an ugly work stoppage, cost of World Series was 94-95. White Sox fans remember that. Montreal Expos fans and Yuppie remember that. That hawkish owners now, people, owners vexed by, we're in charge, we own, it's our sport, it's our teams. Only six remain from them. There, at that time, there were 28 clubs. Only six remain owned by the same families. Four of them are now run by the children of the owners at that time. The other two, 22, weren't around. So there's a new branch of arrogance or elitism or, or caste system, they believe, that should be obeyed, and the players should just be glad that the owners will let them go out there with a chance to c- contract coronavirus um, in in uniforms, so that's that's an interesting take on it. I hadn't thought, <clears throat> but one of the thing it gets to one of the things that's always a difference in these negotiations that people just don't. When you root for the players, you're wrong because they're more united. Uh, when you root for the owners, here's the thing. Joining us on the Alpha Money Ford Hotline, Alpha Money Ford in Melrose Park is. James Fox of Future Sox. James, in discussing what they're up against, Mm -hmm. in your experience, the one thing that doesn't get talked enough about with owners is it's not that they're just against the players. It's owner versus owner. It's big market owners versus small market owners. And it only takes eight small market owners, seven, I think, seven small market owners, seven or eight, I can't remember the number, to be able to say no to a proposal that Rob Manfred can present to the players. And that, it's always been big market versus small market among the owners while the players have remained united. That's the way this looks to me. What's, what is it, how does it look to you? What's gone on that made you come to certain conclusions? Yeah, um, see, that's exactly how it looks to me. Obviously, like Rob Manfred catches his fair share of flack, and look, most of that's deserved. I, I, don't, I don't think Rob Manfred is good for baseball at all, you know, just with some of the ideas and stuff that he's had anyway. But, yeah, he's got 30 owners that aren't on the same page. And, you know, he has to do what's best for them, right, to keep himself employed technically. So, you know, even if he wants to play 65, 70 games, like I I had heard that getting to 60 for these guys at prorated was even, you know, like really, really tough for him to do. So that's kind of where – you know, some some of this has come in this week where, like, it seems like Rob Manfred and Tony Clark met face-to-face, right? And the two heads of both organizations, I guess, like, eh, met in the middle, did a little bit of horse trading. 
and then went back to their parties. Well, Rob Manfred kind of leaked out to the media like, oh, yeah, we're done here. Like, this is good. Whether he thought that or not or knew that for sure, we'll never know. But, you know, what's clear to me on the other side is that Tony Clark doesn't have the power to make that type of decision. And if he doesn't have the power to make that type of decision, I don't really know why Tony Clark is in his position in the first place. All right, James, the the the, the latest uh, word that, uh, yeah, nobody's, nobody's confident These are two here, guys who we'll, shouldn't be where they are then. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it just, it, well, if he got, if he's, if he's not allowed to make that deal Tuesday night in Arizona, like what, what are we doing here? Seth? you know, so sorry, Mark, go ahead. No, that's all right. It's a, it's a great point, but you know, John Heyman reporting 11 minutes ago, uh, early word, eight man union executive subcommittee may be near unanimous for rejecting MLB's 60 game framework slash proposal and instead letting the commish set the schedule. And we've kind of been here before when and where will we actually get a when and where from the commish this time, James? And what do you think the when and where and how many will it be? Uh, I, you know, I think we're done Monday, finally, talking about this. I think we'll know for sure. I think it's short-sighted by the players this time to reject this deal personally. I know that they think, you know, they're, they're going to file a grievance, and they think they're going to win. And I think a week ago I might have agreed with that. But, man, after they proposed 70 games this week with coronavirus cases, you know, popping up across the country, I, I really don't know if they can win a grievance right now. So, you know... If, if they let Rob Manfred set the schedule, which he doesn't want to do, by the way, because that means no universal DH, it means no expanded playoffs, any of this other stuff they're talking about, it would just kind of be like, okay, Rob Manfred says we're going to play 54, you're getting full prorated, you know, this is when you show up, whatever, they have scheduling stuff to do. You know, I don't, I don't know if that deals like a loss for the players. The players said they wanted prorated salaries, they're getting prorated salaries, and they're also going to get, you know, some chunk of the postseason pie, you know, with an agreement. They don't get anything for the postseason without an agreement. So that's where the owners kind of like, at this point, I think, like Steve was saying, I think a lot of owners just like want Manfred to do that. They'll play their 54 games. They'll take all their money for the playoffs and they'll go on their merry way. But like Rob Manfred doesn't, doesn't want to do that because he wants expanded playoffs and he wants the universal DH and he wants, you know, all these other rule changes that he, you know, that he, he wanted to implement anyway. So, I mean, without an agreement, none of that stuff happened. And I, I just, I don't know. Like, look, I, I'm pro player in this. They, they deserve prorated salaries. They're the ones taking the risk. But I just, I feel like this, like, last part of this, they might have bitten off a little bit more than they can chew. Our guest is James Fox of Future Sox and Southside Hit Pen. We're discussing baseball, baseball situation, players versus owners, owners versus owners. The owners tried to make it player versus player the way the NFL did, big money versus small money, and it does not seem to be working. The union has always been the strongest, and the players have vexingly to the owners won. Every time they've, they've, they've stuck together, the owners can't believe it. Hey, these are our teams. It's our money. They should be grateful we let them have the chance to go out there. And the, the players stick together, and the owners can't because of arrogance, because of financial reasons. I don't know. I had, had, I've had a thought about two months ago. Tom Ricketts, I had my first thought was, 
if you're going to lose biblical amounts of money, then you need to sell the team to somebody who can withstand it. I don't know how close we are to teams folding, which would be okay with me. If we lost 10 teams, that'd be great. The remaining 20 would be strong as hell. It'd be a lot better baseball to watch. Have you heard any talk of that? Do you know if that's any, in, in, as these rings play out of the, the, the ripples from the discussions and what might happen if they play and some owners don't want them to, but they can't withstand the losses? Does it get to that point? Or is this just part of the owner's scare tactics and nothing's going to make come of that? Yeah, so I, look, I don't know if anybody's going to fold completely. It seems a little bit extreme when, when any of these guys could just like turn around and put their team on the market and get a billion dollars for it, you know? So I, I do think it'll affect, like some teams will be selling players off immediately. I don't know what kind of trade deadline there will be this year, but I think there are multiple teams who will just like trade high salaried guys. There's already rumors like in the industry that, you know, at the tender, tender, non-tender deadline um, in the off season, that teams are just going to non-tender a bunch of guys and just like go cheaper. And I don't think that's just small market clubs either. I think, you know, teams like the Cubs right now are very leveraged. And then like the Washington nationals for one thing, like, look, the learners are worth like 5 billion, I think, but they, they don't have a great television contract. So, you know, a lot of their stuff is game day revenue. So there's like a lot of teams like that. Whereas teams like the Rays and the Marlins, they, they don't really bring in much on game day anyway. So like just living off the TV contract, they're actually probably okay throughout a lot of this. So, yeah, I think, Look, I'm with you. Like, I think some of these guys should sell their teams. I think one of the issues baseball has, and nobody feels bad for the owners, me included, is that, you know, just like the the listing amount of wealth for some of these guys, like, isn't isn't as much as some NFL owners and NBA owners, and boy, do they try to prove it to you. James, would it be inappropriate if I was to ask you who is going to hit leadoff for the White Sox, and will Michael Kopech be there from day one? <laughs> um, well, so with, like, an expanded roster, Kopech better be there from day one because he's ready uh-huh. to go. That's, like, one of the things that could benefit them. Like, you know, we talk about service time all the time. A team like the White Sox, man, 54 games, like, yeah, they could start out bad and be done, but they could also start out hot and, you know, sprint to the finish. So Michael Kopech better be there. Um, who hits leadoff? Um, I think they're going to go Tim Anderson or or Mancata probably. I think Robert might be up there eventually, but they weren't going to do it to start the year. Um, you know, in a in a year when you're winning, it can't be Larry Garcia. And if they have Nick Madrigal up on the team, it probably can't be him either. So I would say I'd say it's probably Tim Anderson. Some because some people had talked about maybe Yasmani Grandal in that in that spot, which I couldn't see, but just because he's got a good on base percentage, but I don't see that. Do you? I, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. Like I wouldn't be opposed to it. He, he did it some for Milwaukee. I think the way Rick Renteria manages, I think he'll be in like a run producing spot. Um, but it does make, I mean, he's one of the few guys on the team that'll, that'll take walks. So if they were to do it, I would understand. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a switch hitter and he's a switch hitter up there too. But I think they, I think they signed him to drive in runs. And I think, you know, Rick Renteria is a little bit more traditional than that. I think he's probably down a little bit further. I love the idea of a Cubs-Sox game with your leadoff hitters are Rizzo and Grandal. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'd love that. That's that's it. That, that would make it. So speaking of Brave New World, the texter 
Uh, our text line, by the way, our text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And I, before we went to break, I used the phrase wackadoodle about new ideas that they would want to bring to the game. And, and Texture points out, 847, Rosie, don't say new ideas and potential solutions are wacky simply because they're different and new. And I should have made the, the, the caveat, offered the caveat that some people have suggested this and some people are baseball traditionalists. I'm actually excited to see all of the things they want to run out there in the circus of a year, uh, which would include ending in ties if the game goes a certain number of extra innings, starting extra innings with a runner on second base, and things like that. So with all of the changes they want to propose and they want to put it all together at once in this season, unlike any other season, what do you think about all that, James? I think it's I think it's fine to try it in a season like this to see what sticks, right? I mean, I think a lot of people are probably going to feel like this season's a little bit illegitimate anyway, so why not try some of this stuff and see how you feel? I think a lot of the people that are outraged by it like, will end up not caring about some of it. You know, I think there's other stuff, too, like the three batter minimum rule. Like, that's something that, you know, we had talked about before the pandemic hit here and then baseball shut down. That, that's a new rule, too, that we're going to be seeing that's going to change the way managers manage. Um, you know, they will have an, expended, an expanded roster, I'm thinking. So that'll help there. I don't know. Ties in baseball, a little bit weird, I think, you know, unless you're going to, like, start start rewarding points like hockey. But um, you know, I think in a year like this, you can make the argument that you don't want to be playing any extra, you know, baseball than you have to. And I just want to make this clear for myself and maybe for, for listeners, too. So if if the owners, if Rob Banfred ends up setting the schedule, if, that's, if that is indeed what happens, the when and where and all of this, you said that that would mean that the the number of playoff teams would stay at 10 as opposed to 16 that's what the players would would then they would then win quote unquote win that the 10 10 playoff teams as opposed to 16 is that right yeah that's what I, that's why he doesn't want to like everybody kind of thinks like oh they're just delaying so Rob Manfred can you know impose this schedule and while some owners may that may be true for some owners like Steve said but I don't think that's true for Rob Manfred at all. He wanted the sides to agree to something so that he could implement all this stuff. And it's, and yeah. it's kind of weird, like the players, like voting no on this. Like, look, I know they wanted more. They wanted to play more games. And they're going to they're gonna get prorated. And maybe they think they deserve more money for the playoffs. And, like, I probably, mm-hmm. you know, I agree with them on that. But the universal DH is something on the player side. That's something the players want. And they're not going to get it now, like, without an agreement. So, yeah, the, the way that that March agreement was written is, you know, players get prorated or they don't have to take less than prorated, I think, to be more specific, and, and the owners can set the schedule. But that just kind of means, like, you know, they'll set some sort of regional 54-game schedule with interleague, you know, where, like, central teams aren't facing the east or the west. And then, yeah, then it's just going to be the traditional five playoff teams like we've seen. I don't know what happens with DH at that point. I think that has to be agreed on still. So that that's like one of the drawbacks in all this. Like, yeah, I want I want baseball too as much as everybody, but I'd, I'd much rather they come to an agreement than you know than just throw something together that's 54 games. I thought the expanded playoffs would be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the DH. I want to see the DH. I'm I'm done with watching hitters uh, pitchers hit. 
Uh, I want to see the DH. I, I'm not necessarily because it benefits the Cubs, although it does. I think it benefits every team. Uh, I do think that in doing it this year in the National League, I think there is a price to pay for pitching. I don't know if you'd see more NL teams go to the opener idea. You'd have to handle, I don't know what model they'd use for handling arms. They would certainly not all be on the same pace. What do you think happens? How do you think NL teams deal with this, James? Like with, with a DH or no? Yeah, with it with a DH. Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously they're at a little bit of a disadvantage, right? I mean, look, it, their, like, first guy off the bench is better than any pitcher that's going to hit, but they also didn't build their teams with a DH. Like you said, the Cubs are probably fine. I think the Reds are fine. The Dodgers are obviously fine. But, you know, there's some teams where, you know, they prioritize um, outfield defense or um, somebody that can play multiple infield positions as their top bench guy. So then what, they just move their – their first baseman or their slugger into a DH role and bring another guy in, how it affects the pitching in the National League, I actually think, you know, starters are going to go longer, right? Like, I don't look, I don't watch a ton of National League baseball, obviously, but, you know, I mean, you're always making that decision, right? The guy's like five innings cruising. you got to make that call, whether to pull that guy and pinch hit or keep him in. It's just one of those things that National League fans have been used to. It's something they're not going to have to do anymore. Like, you, you can just, like, leave your starter in because you have a DH ready to play so and with the expanded roster um, I think it opens up the opportunity for National League teams to potentially trade for guys that they might not have it opens up JD Martinez in Boston potentially to you know 15 teams in the National League that wouldn't you know look to a guy like that otherwise so I think there's you know there's a lot of stuff like that and that's good for the players the players want it because it's 15 more jobs and I think even the most ardent of National League fans, National League purists are going to get over the DH real quick once they see how it works. Um, and on the Sox, is, do you expect Edwin Encarnacion to get the bulk of the, the DHing for the, the White Sox this year? Yeah, I think that's why he was signed. I think he'd play first occasionally in a Abreu with DH, but yeah, I think that's that's about right. I mean, Grandall can, can DH some as well because they have James McCann on their team. You know, but the the Sox where where it's interesting is they have like a whole bunch of like fringy four A type prospect type guys. You know, like your Zach Collins and your mean Mercedes, who everybody loves and wants to see in the major leagues. And they have Gavin they have Gavin Sheets at Triple A Charlotte, who's pretty much first base only. They might be able to like trade a bunch of DHs to National League teams. That that could that could benefit them possibly. And we might miss out on the Edwin Encarnacion April and May struggles that he always goes through, which which would benefit the White Sox, I think. Well, you don't know if it's April or May or if it's the first two months, in which case the season's over if it's the first two months. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, that, and would be, the, that would be bad. The interesting thing about that schedule is, um, as been pointed out, the Washington Nationals were 19 and and 31, 50 games into last year, and they won a World Series. And remember, the White Sox faced a team in the World Series in 2005 that started off 15 and 30 by Memorial, by Memorial Day, and they rallied. And the Marlins were also a team that came from behind that way when they um, then when they hired Jack McKeon. So you're gonna you'll miss a lot of that. You'll place a greater urgency on getting started early so i don't know that we don't have a model for getting for early play but early play in hot weather 
because there's usually an excuse that it's early playing cold weather. I don't know which way this goes or who this, what kind of player this favors or what kind of team it favors. Do you have any idea, James? So I think you can you can make the argument that it benefits like a young team like the White Sox, but on the other end, right, it all it's all heavily reliant on variance with 50 games. So, I mean, if they, if they start out really bad and their starting pitching gets hit early, you know, then they could be done like pretty much right away. But a team like them, you know, they could, they could have young guys, so many young guys on their team that don't really know, you know, they don't really know how good they are, but they don't know how good they aren't either. So you could just like, you know, run to a 32 and 18 start and all of a sudden you're winning a division that you didn't think. So I think the team's, um, that have the most pitching depth, probably it's who it will help the most with a sh- with a short spring training. I, I don't I don't really think it's going to be traditional in the sense of like starters going eight innings. I think you're going to have like a lot of tandem starts, like maybe starters go four, and then maybe even you bring in another starter right away, or like you know you have like loaded loaded bullpen. So I think you know that obviously the teams that remain the healthiest, and then the teams that have the most amount of pitching that they could deploy. Um, I think are the best in a in a short season. Yeah, and just and just thinking about it as you're giving that answer with all the this, the different strategy, maybe more strategy involved. However you want to phrase it, all of a sudden managing becomes maybe more important this year than it has in in a long time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think I think managers get overrated in general. I think there's like probably five really good ones and five pretty bad ones, and the rest are all pretty similar. And over 162, you know, they might cost you two games, generally two, three games. Something like this, though, you know, I think it's kind of like playoff baseball, right? Like where you're watching Joe Madden in the 2016 playoffs and Cubs fans are going nuts like over some of the decisions, but it's all because like that's on such like a – you know, you're, it's microscopic. You're, you're looking at it every day. So I think something like this, yeah, I, I think it's, I think, and I think it's big. Um, so mostly with, mostly with pitching decisions, like you've said, right? Do you, do you stay with this starter longer? Do you go to another starter? Do you bring in your, you know, your best reliever to get up, get you out of a jam in the fifth instead of the ninth, yeah. because you know that you can just bring in a starter later and it won't hurt you. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see the way some teams do it. But that's even where some teams, Steve alluded to with Washington, you know, starting off bad last year. Like, I think there's some teams, maybe six, seven teams, that really probably don't have a chance at the playoffs regardless of how short the season is. But I do think, you know, you're, you're looking at at least 20 teams total that could, you know, that could be part of an expanded playoffs and something like that. Well, I hope we get the chance to see it. I'm not really believing in that. I hope we get the chance to see it. It felt good to talk about actual kind of strategy and, and the what-ifs. Appreciate your time, James. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. That's James Fox of Future Sox and Southside Hit Pen. So uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. And when we come back, Mark, I have I, we brought up something last week. We had Lawrence Holmes on, and we were discussing the NBA and we were discussing something the NBA might do, something I didn't understand NBA players were in favor of. And I, more reading, the more people I heard, I have an understanding of what happened. And it, you know, might as well be labeled this week in NBA racism, but I do want to address it and, and we'll talk about it next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, The Score. 
Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Saturday Suckage. We'll take you up to 2 o'clock. Reminder that live sports is actually happening, and it's happening on the score at 3.30. We will begin our coverage of the Belmont Stakes, a live sporting event. Horses be running. Make sure you bet it all on Secretariat. Mark, last week, we had Lawrence Holmes on, and we were discussing in the wake of kneeling and people said Baker, uh, quarter, Baker Mayfield said, I'm definitely taking a knee. And Lawrence Holmes, who you can hear on the score Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, made the point that the kneeling becomes a distraction from the greater issue. He said it becomes too easy to get wrapped up in whether it's patriotic or not when that's not been the point at all when it has only been about a black pro a, a white people white policemen murdering black people that police abuse that way and last week also was we came out of that player NBA players meeting the phone call with talk of not they're not playing not accepting any deal not going to the bubble not playing because it would make a greater statement. And NBA players have a terrific platform and they've used it and the league encourages them to lose it, use it. And I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't want to. And then it hit me, the comparison that we were discussing last week with Lawrence is if they don't, if they play, they would distract the same way taking a knee and having it become a patriotic cliche or anti-patriotic unpatriotic cliche how it distracts from a greater purpose if they do play maybe they get away maybe they think they get away or hide or distract from the the greater purpose of racial equality and then if they use their platform while playing it gets reduced to unfortunately shut up and dribble what do you think (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Robert Quinn of the Bears echoed some of that when he figuratively threw his arms up in the air during the Zoom call and just kind of said, I don't know what to do. I don't know that it's, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know how effective kneeling is because no matter what we say or do, the the message gets butchered, basically, and then you have, as as you put it, distraction taking away from the true meaning and I was I was saying that you know maybe based on what what Quinn was saying and what Lawrence is saying and and others that maybe something different needs to be done something just as loud and something just as interruptive because you still want to interrupt because that's the whole idea to get your message across that maybe right. maybe there's some sort of universal kneeling at some specific time in in the NFL, if there is NFL, in the first quarter you stop play for eight minutes and forty six seconds, or whatever the whatever the case is, like something, like where the coaches don't even need to know, GMs don't need to know, Owner, players unite, and in the first quarter of a game they stop play and they kneel. So I, you know, after Robert Quinn spoke, that's when I was like, okay, this sounds like a man who has like is confused on what they need to do to get their point across and maybe something different needs to be done 
Yeah, I, I can understand now why they might consider not not playing as they keep focused on the on the the battle for for racial equality. And I can see their I see their point now where I didn't last week and talking to people and reading and and reconsidering it helped. And then there was this showed up on um, Jeannie Buss's Instagram. She's the Lakers CEO. She's her governor. She shared a photograph of a letter on her Instagram account, account Friday. And she did it so everyone could see that the hate is real and living out there. It's a two-sentence letter. It was composed on a typewriter. And it begins, Dear Whore, After 60 years as a huge Lakers fan, I now say to hell with the overplayed, overpaid N-word traders and the NBA. Go to hell and join expletive deleted Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Letter is assigned, signed by a man named Joe and his last name is blacked out. Jeannie said, Jeannie Buss included on her Instagram, after much thought I decided to share this letter that I received on Monday so that everyone can see the hate is real and living out there. This is happening in our world today, she wrote today in all caps. It's real and it exists. To Joe. Did sending this letter make you feel better? Really all you did was waste your time and energy in your postage stamp, but thank you for including your return home address. Why don't you look in the mirror and see your ugliness? Because I refuse to. I received letters like this over the years, the advice I always got, ignore it. I did, but not anymore. On this day, Juneteenth, I asked my white friends to join together, acknowledge the racism that exists in our country and around the world, and pledge to stop ignoring it. We all must do better. I just, I, I've, I shouldn't be stunned. I know it exists, but that's just so ugly to see. And it's a hell of a we, job by her to not give the the last name, nor the, nor the address. Right. I'm sure that there's right. people who would like to have that right out there. Right, and and somebody of another, you know, somebody with a who didn't take a breath, who wasn't adult enough in this case, who wasn't going to bite on it, just used it for what it was, was an object lesson. I just thought it was a, it's just a stunning thing. I, I can't say I'm surprised, but it was a stunning thing. Um, I thought Jeannie handled it really well. LeBron thought his boss handled it really well. Um, he sent two messages. Love you, Jeannie, surrounded by two hearts, and a middle finger emoji directed at the author of the letter. There you go. <laughs> there you go. This is for Good you, number. and this More is reasons. for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you get one, and you get one. You get right, this, and you get that. Yeah. That's right. So, um, and there was something else that was really, you know, I don't, we've, we've said, in fact, you retweeted it, and I thought it was a wonderful way to put it that in, in talking to, African-American friends, acquaintances, people, we, don't, we can't understand what you went through, but we can stand with you. Yes. And that's what we've tried to do on the show when given the opportunity and in our personal lives. Um, and here's something else I could never... Jimmy Butler was part of a Miami Heat, sort of a, a town hall on Juneteenth yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this is what, this is what he said... He recalls an incident when he was 16. 
He was walking out of a Walmart in suburban Houston with his brother. Quote, a white man and his son, who is no older than maybe six, I'm walking with my brother and we hear the kid turn around and say, hey dad, those are the N-words that you are telling me about. Butler continued, the kid doesn't know any better. My initial reaction was to turn around and look at the father's face. I'm 6'6", my brother is 6'1", and he's probably six, six foot. And yeah, he was intimidated by me. But the first thing that popped into my head was, you have to have taught him that. Kid doesn't know that. My daughter, I have to teach her that the stove is hot. You are choosing to teach your kid hate. I, again, I can't, I, I, I'm so sorry that this exists. I can't, I've not lived through anything like that. It's just, it's just an awful thing. And that's from former bull, Jimmy Butler. So. No, you know, like, the, all the kids have to do is hear that word once, used casually and irresponsibly. Well, it's always irresponsible. Um, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like it's in, it's, it's ingrained and it's okay. So that's horrid. It's an awful thing. We have to be better. We have to work on it. We have to have this pointed out to us. And we're hoping that's what we do here, part of the time here. So before we wrap up suckage, there's uh, one more part of the the price of sucking that the bulls are going to pay, and a couple other things. Uh, an update on what baseball teams are doing, and Sean Doolittle's wife was was active on on Twitter, and she's just, you know, this guy probably faces a tougher audience at home than he does on the mound closing for the World Series champion Nationals. <laughs> I, I get a kick out of this, so we'll share this with you next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckets, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, up to the, take you up to the top of the hour. Reminder, live sports, it's happening in the world. It's happening on The Score. At 3.30, we will bring you our coverage of the Belmont Stakes. 3.30 on The Score, the Belmont Stakes, a horse race. Uh, news from Major League Baseball, Mark, that mm-hmm. after what happened the other way, COVID-19 went through teams in Florida and 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 the angels that uh every mlb club has now decided to have their spring training camp in their own home cities with their rec- with the recent surge of covid 19 in arizona and florida however we have teams in arizona and florida and i don't know what those home cities are going to do where do you put where do you put the the rays and where do you put the Marlins? And where do you put the Diamondbacks? And you know who else is a problem here, an issue, it needs to be settled, is the Blue Jays. Because Canadian law, I believe, unless Trudeau has changed it, but Canadian law is a two-week, you're just not allowed in the country, two-week incubation period or quarantine period, I think. And I'm not sure what else there is along with that. And that that's a problem for the NHL in some ways as well. NHL cities want to become hubs if that sport ever gets started. This thing is just... Every every one of those teams that you just mentioned, though, every one of them has a dome. So they all have their own bubbles. So they could all just live in their domes. 
Well, Miami doesn't. The, the Marlins don't. Right? Yeah, they do. Isn't that... Yeah. That's a, that is... Yeah. That's, that's... A, oh, is it really? I just kept thinking of yeah. that monstrosity in the I think outfield it's... that it was like an open air that was bad. Disney. I think they could open it, but no, it's it's closed. It, that's the whole idea oh. because it just it's so ridiculously hot in Florida. So that place is... I don't... I, I think it's retractable, but... I when in my time covering the Cubs, it I think it was always oh, closed because okay. it would yeah. So I don't know. All right. Um, so they they got bubbles, that's, that's, dude. Yeah, they got bubbles. They had actual bubbles that the NBA is hoping to get, and and everything's spiking all over Florida. So speaking of the NBA, the um, the price of sucking that we were talking about earlier, where the Bulls might not play for nine months, and God forbid if they play again with Jim Boylan still their coach, but. Can you imagine? What? <laughs> no, we're laughing about it. I mean, seriously, like, imagine if he is the head. Co- I mean, something horrible would have to have had ha- would have to have happened if Jim Boylan is back as the. I, mean, I just right. can't imagine the the how, outrage. How could that be taken seriously? No, I know. That's why I'm laughing. By players. I, I, I can't even get that out of my mouth without laughing. Like, like, <laughs> Just like Zach Levine wouldn't be so hesitant to actually like the passive aggressive thing that Zach Levine is yeah. like, no, man, He'd be like, no, right. no, get yeah. this fool out of here. Wow, you're right. I would like but I would like to see that for for selfish reasons. I would like to see that. Kind of. Um, yeah. So the there's something else that is part of the 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 layout for that bubble, things are allowed to do, not allowed to do. One of the things that might or might not have jumped out at you is players can attend other games. They're all inside this bubble. No fans will be in attendance. So what that means is, you know, voices will be audible. You'll hear stuff on the court, but you'll, so you could hear trash talking and maybe they'll be on a seven second delay like we are, but, um, if you're going to allow other players, players from other teams, in the arenas while they're playing these games, something's going to happen. And everybody's going to be involved in the smack talk. But the idea that other pay, other players will be down there seeing other games as a way to woo free agents... As a way mm. to show their interest, the Bulls won't be down there to cheer on other teams and won't be down there to be cheered on by players, won't be able to show anything. So they are immediately cut out of a massive opportunity on top of what is already a massive opportunity to just play and do something. I hadn't thought of it that way. That was pointed out. Casey Johnson was making the point in this. So... Um, you know, LeBron yeah, James shows like, up, but it's a game. Yeah, it's like the it's like the combine, the NFL combine, just like a big networking event where you can meet people and shake hands. And some players are there, but there's tons of guys looking for jobs, and that's what it'll be like. That NBA, it's going to be like a high school IHSA basketball tournament or the NCAA tournament where they have multiple games like back-to-back in certain venues and you see the the next two teams waiting in the uh-huh. tunnels waiting to come out and play their game. So, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way either. But, yeah, especially with the, 
the at least in theory the marketing power that the Bulls might have now because specifically of Mark Eversley's ties and those being to Nike there's lots of people that he could have been and still I don't know I mean like I assume that they'll like allow Bulls personnel to be there right it's not like they're gonna be like nope you're not like if you don't have an ID that says 22 teams, you're you're not allowed to be no, there. I mean, it, no, I think that's it. I think that, really? that, that that's a it's a small wedding and that's it. Okay. It's a, once so you're no in, scouts, you're not, you're, no assistance, al- nothing. Right, you're not allowed to leave. They'll show the games on TV. You do it that way. I don't think you're unless you were to find some way to unless they make uh, something I missed. There was an awful lot written about it. Something I missed that you. If you were Mark Eversley, you could be embedded there for the length of time that they are going to be playing basketball. That sucks. But if they're if they're trying to limit it to just the essential personnel, a GM of a team that's not playing would not be considered essential. It is essential, I think, for him to do his job to get not be totally cut out. Now you say he's got a good reputation, and he does. But this would this would have a chance to extend it in a position that's acutely important to Bears fans, uh, Bulls fans. So yeah, I would think that's that's. I well, maybe we should, we should try to get an answer to that. I don't know if he would have to. Once he gets in, he's have to stay in. You don't get to go home until everybody goes home, kind of thing. Do you think they could like sneak somebody in, like get like Ryan Archidiacono, like maybe like disguise him and to do what? I don't know. Just to get intel. <laughs> to 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 is there a best hair? Because he he's got good hair. I'm just thinking of somebody who might be expendable, and maybe I'm underestimating the power of of Arch by saying yeah, that. I but think, I, I feel like the are. Bulls need to the, get they. Arch is the Augie Ojeda of basketball players. <laughs> little Augie. So yeah, little Augie. So this is um, from Mark Zuckerman, um, a Maryland Sports Network reporter, so they're in the, they take care of the Capitals. And when the new idea, the new proposal came out, and Universal DH, which everybody thinks will be grandfathered into the next, be part of the next collective bargaining agreement, not just this year's contract, next year's contract. So we, he said, he tweeted out, we may have witnessed the final at bat in MLB history in Game Five of the World Series, top of the seventh, Garrett Cole struck out against Sean Doolittle. So that might have been the final pitcher at bat, pitcher versus pitcher, or pitcher mm. batting. So Iran Dolan, the wife of Sean Doolittle, um, the followed on tw- follow him on Twitter. What would do do? And she tweeted this out. I do not often go to the mat to defend Sean's honor as a hitter. He stinks. Helmet too small. Doesn't know which way to run anyway. This is the guy's wife. Wow. But to but to be clear, what goes he goes down in history as the guy who struck out Cole so bad that the MLB instituted a universal DH. <laughs> like Good that's it. That's enough. That's it. That's enough for us today. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. I want to thank Trash Panda for his updates on the Trash Pandas. Thank everybody for listening, texting, and our one call from Otto. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
it wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.